The U.S. men's national team is one game away from the Gold Cup final, standing in their way as Honduras, which we played on Wednesday night. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. As always with me is Ivis Galarsep. What's up, man? Well, not much, man. We're at 2.15 a.m. on Tuesday night, and uh, it's good to know that you've completed the 40-hour uh, you know, covered wagon ride that you just took from from uh texas and uh, glad to have you back it wasn't okay it wasn't 40 hours it was, it was 28 hours and it was a normal train not a covered wagon we didn't get we didn't get robbed <laughs> or anything like that so it was a stagecoach actually right you know, I was actually stage coach. we went over a couple like canyons you know on a bridge and i all kept thinking it was like movie scene you know bridge blowing up the train barely makes it i think the lone ranger might have, might have escorted you all yeah, the way home so, something like that it was an interesting ride though man i will say people watching galore and i love people watching do you people watch uh, I travel a lot, so it's it's automatic. For me, airports are the best. Oh place yeah, to be absolutely. Yeah, people. Yeah, it was, it was it was an interesting crowd, but uh, big show today, Ivis. As we said, the U.S. is one game away from the Gold Cup final. Standing in their way is Honduras, which we play tonight. We have tons of other things to talk about. Uh, MLS signings, also a little controversy with Chivas USA. We'll get into that in a little bit, and we need to talk about the Gold Cup in general. But first, the U.S. taking on. Honduras in the Cowboys Stadium, a little contro- not, not maybe not controversy, but a little uh, question marks right now with the with how the pitch is going to be. But regardless of that, what, what how, going into the game for Honduras for the U.S. men's team, Ivis, what is the U.S. going to have to do to take the victory in this? We should talk about the field first because I mean, every all by all accounts, all the reports coming out of Dallas are that the fe- that the field is atrocious. Uh, you know, it's grass laid over concrete apparently. It's a me- it's a real mess. There there are uh, green just sand. green sand to cover up the holes. Green sand to cover the gaps in the field. I mean, it's just it just sounds like a recipe for disaster. And and I tell you what, if you're you know if I'm Jurgen Klinsmann, I I really have to think long and hard about you know playing certain players on that surface, namely Stuart Holden, who as we know is is back you know back from a, a lengthy injury ordeal with his knee and you know do you really want to take a chance with him on that surface if it's as bad as we're hearing so you know it's going to be interesting to see how that impacts the U.S. starting lineup and, and whether or not you know Klinsman decides to you know, maybe go with some different guys or if he just says you know what it doesn't matter we're just going to play on it um, Honduras is a tough matchup I got to say you know where you had so far the toughest opponent the U.S. has had is Costa Rica but Costa Rica was pretty simple to figure out you know they were very defensive oriented they came out and bunkered against the U.S., playing a five-man uh, back line. Uh, so you didn't have to worry about their attacks so much. I mean, they had some, you know, they looked the counter with speed, uh, but it really didn't come off for them. Honduras is a much more balanced team. This Honduran Gold Cup team, you know, has weapons in the attack. They have a solid midfield. They're tight. They're strong in the back. So, they, you know, they, they, they're pretty solid up up and down. They're a more complete team. Having said that, this U.S. team still the favorite that with the attack that they have, they should have success against Honduras, and they should win this game. Well, we also could see a different lineup. I mean, now you have Omar Gonzalez in for the game, and Eddie Johnson, after his performance, probably earned a starting spot. Do we see these guys starting in this game? Have, have some guys earned their earned their way into the starting eleven? Well, you know, Omar Gonzalez. You don't bring Omar Gonzalez in if you're not going to start him, and I'm pretty sure that that that's clear. Uh, if Matt Beisler is healthy, and there's you know. There seem to be rumors after that game in in Baltimore that maybe there were, there was something wrong there because obviously he came out of the match early, so that raised raised some eyebrows. If Beast, if Matt Beasley is healthy, I think you'll see Omar Gonzalez and Matt Beasley start together. That's the center back ten we want to go with. They're the first choice center back ten for Jurgen Klinsmann. 
Uh, so, you know, you, you want to have them get that experience and also you want to have them because they're your best two center backs. Uh, I think that is a pretty safe bet. Uh, as far as Eddie Johnson goes, that's an interesting one. You know, he played really well coming off the bench uh, against an El Salvador team that was pressing and looking looking for an equalizer. Uh, do you go with him again or do you go with Chris Wondolowski? I know a lot of people were really down on Wondolowski because, you know, he didn't score any goals. Uh, you know, aside from the one layoff to Joe Corona on Corona's goal, you know, he wasn't really involved in the scoring plays that much. But, you know, I would, the other argument is, and an argument I'd make is that, you know, you should give him some credit for, for really putting pressure on the, on the El Salvador defense, creating space with his runs, creating space for his teammates. Uh, you know, that's the kind of stuff that maybe you don't see in the stat sheet. Uh, but, you know, his teammates definitely sang his praises in that regard. So, you know, a team like with against a team like Honduras with a strong defense that they have, a physical defense that they have, I could see Jurgen Klinsmann wanting to keep Wondolowski in there. Now that doesn't mean we're not going to see Eddie Johnson because Eddie Johnson, as we know, can play on the left wing. So that's the question: Do you play the three of them together? And I think you could. And, I, and my projected lineup, which you know I put out today on Tuesday, uh, I had Eddie Johnson on the left, uh, and it could that that can play almost like a four three three at times. With Johnson on the left, Donovan on the right, Wondolowski up top, uh, and, and then more of a diamond midfield, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, or it can, and it can also transition into a four-four-two. It's not going to stay the same way, especially if you put Johnson on the left. He gives you that flexibility in your attack that you can you can shift around. You can go four-three-three. You can go four-four-two, four-one-three-two. So you know it gives you a lot of a lot of variation. So for me, I find a way to put Eddie Johnson on the field, but at the same time, I understand why Klinsman might want to have. Wondolowski in the lineup. Well, I think the possibility of having a 4-3 through three would excite a lot of fans to be able to see Donovan on that wing, sending crosses in to I mean, Chris Wondolowski and Eddie Johnson is going to be cutting into the box. But let's say they, they kind of run a 4-3-3. Three, three. Who, who, I mean, would we see Corona and maybe Holden if he plays as the attacking mids in this game? Right. I mean, I think that's the two that... Well, here's the thing. I, I listed Holden and, and Corona... Uh, to be the stars in this game in my projection, but now with the field conditions, I mean, the question is, is that an issue or when it comes to Holden or is he 100% now, you can't baby it anymore, you can't hold him back, you go with him. Um, and it's not just a question of that, there's also the question about mixed discrude because he kind of becomes the odd man out. If you figure Kyle Beckerman's your best option as a number six, uh, you know, right in front of the defense, do you go, you know, then it's Discarude or, or Holden. And and for me, if he's healthy, I, I'm going to go with Holden. But, you know, we don't know the deal with Holden and his fitness and health because he didn't play in the last game. So that, you know, at the time it seemed it seemed more likely he was slow in recovering from his first 90 minutes since 2010. But we don't know that for a fact. Uh, if he's healthy, though, I'm going Stuart Holden because I, for me, he's the better player. Uh, I think he has shown better. Uh, I know Discrude, not nothing against Discrude. He's done well. Uh, he, he's been in some good uh, situations to do well, and he's done and he's taken advantage of them. But uh, for me, I think now you're talking a tougher opponent. You're talking a much tougher midfield. For me, the best mid, they're going to play the best midfield they played this tournament. Um, so when you have Jorge Claros in there, who's such a bulldog, who can really test you in the middle. For me, I'm going to go Holden uh, with Beckerman in the middle. Well, for the U.S. on the defensive side, what should we expect out of Honduras? Are they going to be kind of like Costa Rica where they're going to put numbers in the box, prevent the U.S. from crossing the ball, and maybe attack when they're given the appropriate opportunity? Is that what we're going to see out of them uh, throughout the game? Honestly, I don't think so. I think it's going to be a little more of an honest game. I think it's going to be a straight-up you know, 4-4-2 
uh, type of situation. The, the thing is, you know, uh, Honduras' defense is a pretty solid defense. You know, they, I mean, it's not their first choice uh, back line. Obviously, Victor, Victor Bernardez is not there. Uh, Emilio Izaguirre is not there uh, from Celtic. But they still have some quality back there. I mean, uh, Osman Chavez is a solid player. Uh, Juan Garcia, for those who don't remember, is the player who scored on that sick bicycle kick down in Honduras in February. So he's there. Uh, Brian Beckles is there. He's he's a solid defender as well. So their defense, their back four is solid enough that they have confidence in it uh, to stand on its own. You're not going to see Costa, uh, Costa Rica like five man defense that uh, lining up. I think they're, they're I think they're more likely to be an honest team and, and play a balanced. 4-4-2 uh, alignment, or even 4-3-3, uh, depending how you want to look at it. They have Jorge Claros, who for me, you know, if you're talking about putting together a best 11 for this tournament, you know, he, he's probably on it. Uh, you know, he's a really solid uh, central midfielder, moves well, uh, you know, cl- shuts down passing lanes well. I mean, he's a, fr- he's a start on their first team uh, when they have their full squad together. So he's legit. Um, so that, that that's going to be... You know, you have him, and obviously you have Andy Nahar, who was the star of their, their win against Costa Rica. He scored the winner. MLS fans are fully aware of Nahar from his time in D.C. United, but he's really coming into his own. Uh, you know, by all accounts, he's really improved his game. Uh, the challenge of playing at Anderlecht in Europe and having to step his game up apparently is really benefiting him. And you know what? They have other players that we, that we as you know, us in the U.S. are familiar with when you talk about Mario Martinez, the Seattle Sounders. Uh, winger and Marvin Chavez, a San Jose winger. Uh, Martinez started in the you know, has has started matches. Chavez has, has played roles in some matches. So uh, you know we can see a lot of familiar faces on there. And we're gonna uh, for me, I'd say Honduras is not gonna bunker. They're gonna play straight up and they're gonna try to just match the U.S. firepower with firepower. I would say I need a prediction for the game. Do you expect another close one like we've seen in the past two encounters between U.S. and Honduras in the, this calendar year? Well, it's a different, you know, it's different teams, right? I mean, this as good as good as this Honduras team is, it's still not their first team, right? It's not, and for me, the U.S.'s depth is just better, right? So they're, they're second team, uh, top to bottom, and again, we're talking now a, a second, a quote unquote second team that has several players who probably will be part of the first team: Landon Donovan, Omar Gonzalez, Matt Beasler, Eddie Johnson. All those guys can, can have Joe Corona. All these guys are going to stake their claims to playing time come September in in World Qualifying. So, the, you know, this is a pretty strong U.S. team at this point in the tournament. Uh, whereas with Honduras, you know, they they're not quite not quite as strong as you know. I'm not going to call them an a, a B plus team, A minus team. They, this is still pretty much a B team for Honduras. So, I'm going to give USA the edge. Still, I think it's going to be. Uh, I'd probably go something like 2-0. Uh, and again, the field is kind of a, the equalizer there, right? How will the ball move? Will it die? Will they be able to pass it well on that surface? In the U.S., the way they play, they rely heavily on being able to pass the ball. And if the field is really bad, that could affect that. And obviously, it didn't hurt the U.S. in Seattle with the field that everyone wanted to talk about at the time. But, you know, you, you get this, you know, just from what you hear down in Dallas, you get the sense that this field is even worse. In the later game, is also going to be played at the Cowboys Stadium. So I can only imagine what the field's going to look like then when Mexico and Panama take the field. Uh, preview this game for me, Ives. All right, here's the deal. Mexico has not looked good in group stage. They have not looked good in this tournament. Panama on the other hand has looked outstanding. They've beaten Mexico already. They beat them in the first game of the tournament. So as much as Mexico just traditionally you think, okay, they have to win this game, 
I mean, I have to go with Panama just on form, right? I mean, I know, you know, Cuba got the red card and that really blew things open. So, you know, it's hard to kind of measure that game. But I just I just think for what the way the group stages went and, and the way Panama has looked and the way Mexico has looked, I have to go with Panama in this game. You know, I think they, they you know, when we're talking about A teams and B teams and all that, I mean, this is, a, this is pretty much a Panama A team. Uh, you know, they have all hands on deck as far as their top, their top stars. Uh, and again, they benefit a bit from not having guys who play, uh, in Europe. You know, they, you know, they, when you talk about Blas Perez and, and you talk about, um, Felipe Valoy and, and Gabriel Gomez, Roman Torres, uh, they, they don't have that concern of, you know, guys who need to go away for preseason or, or, or who, you know, have to have their vacations. You know, these guys, th- this Gold Cup fits in there. And, and again, I think I said it last show. I really feel that this this uh, generation of players, this generation of of Panamanian players, uh, is determined to win this Gold Cup because they've been together now. Um, the nucleus of it has been together now for oh seven, oh nine, eleven, uh, three previous Gold Cups, and obviously they've lost to the U.S. and they've been knocked out by the U.S. in all three of those Gold Cups. They, you know, they see this as their opportunity now. They they have close to a full strength team. And they're really going to go for it. And, I, you know, I, I just I like their chances. Look, Mexico, you always have to worry about, right? Because, you know, even though this is clearly a B team for them, uh, they still have some players. You know, Raul Jimenez is, is a quality player. Marco Fabiano is, is quality player. They have some attacking, some attacking talent where if you're sloppy, they will punish you. But having said that, I just think Panama, it, it's a veteran group. It's a group that's been together. It's a group that's been in Gold Cups together. I just feel like that experience. I, I mean, they have more experience in Mexico when we talk about Gold Cups. And Panama defeated well, Mexico earlier in the Gold Cup. Right, they beat them in the right. They beat them in a group stage, and 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 you know you want to chuck. I know some people will just chuck that off and say, oh, it's the first game, uh, upsets happen. Um, but you know what? I don't know, man. I, this Panama team. I, I've been saying it for a while now. I see this Panama team having a real, real good chance of winning this tournament, and it's because. Not only because it's almost their A team, but because they have so much experience on this roster in the Gold Cup and in tournament play internationally. They have that experience and that edge and experience that, you know, this Mexico team doesn't have. Uh, the U.S. team maybe more so has it now. You know, you still have Beasley and Donovan, and now you're bringing in first team defenders like Beasley and Gonzalez uh, and Eddie Johnson as well uh, being brought in. So it's a little stronger U.S. team now experience-wise. But I tell you what, man, that man, that that Panama team—if they beat Mexico on Wednesday—I don't know how anyone can guarantee that the U.S. is going to beat this Panama team again. You know, they've done it for 0-5-0-7-0-9-11. four straight Gold Cups. The U.S. has beaten Panama in the knockout rounds. Four—that's crazy. And to do it a fifth time, you know, this this is probably going to be the toughest of them all if they get to that point. Wait, wait are you so you're going to take Panama in this game though? I'm going to go with Panama. I'm going to go with Panama as much as. Uh, as much as some Mexican fans might think it's me hating on Mexico, I just don't see this team winning. You know, I just, I mean, I tell you what, even if, even if Mexico gets the win, right? And you can argue that, look, the home field advantage is clearly going to be on their side. The stadium in Dallas is going to, it's going to be jammed with Mexican fans. Absolutely packed to the rafters. going to be a sea of green. Uh, it's going to feel like as, you know, Texas Azteca, right? We can pretty much guarantee that. But for me, I feel like this Panama team is built to, to overcome that because they have that experience. They had they you know this group of guys has been through it before, and that's why I like their chances. 
And as always, if everyone's looking for extended coverage, go to soccerbyivis.net. Ivis does a good job covering the U.S. men's national team, keeping it U.S. men's national team related. Lots of rumors going on. I'm noticing a lot, lots of things in the comments right now about a certain player named Clint Dempsey and whether or not he is with uh, Tottenham right now. What's what's the latest on his front? Is he? Well, there's a lot of rumors. No, this you know I, I think I feel like we talked about this before. But I have to address it again because, I, I mean, I guess some people just either missed my story from a week ago or they just refuse to, to believe what they read or what I write or what, or just they, they love the rumors. But, you know, the rumors were out there a while back about him being transfer listed, right? So everyone just assumed, okay, he's done at Tottenham. He's not coming back. They're going to sell him. Now, I did, a, I did a story. I did an interview. I interviewed his agent, and his agent flat out said that he has not been transfer listed He's happy at Tottenham. They're happy with him. Everything's cool, right? He's not going anywhere. So, you know, that's that's where things stand. But, you know, some people still haven't given up on the whole transfer-listed rumor. So then on Monday, I'm getting, uh, you know, tweets and, and comments in our comment section talking about Clint Dempsey and how he's not in Hong Kong because apparently he didn't show up in any videos or any pictures so right away, the conspiracy theorists are out. Look, he's not in Hong Kong. Something's going down. They're going to sell him, blah, blah, blah. That seemed to be the idea. So, of course, you know, I put in the calls and just to make sure. And what do you know? He's in Hong Kong. I'm, you know, my, my sources tell me he's in Hong Kong. And then soon after that, we started to see the pictures. We started to see the videos. He is in Hong Kong with Tottenham, folks. So, you know, put the conspiracy theories away for now. Stop, you know, Thinking of ways to get him off of Tottenham, he is on. He is staying with Tottenham for now, for this year, unless someone comes in with a strong offer out of the blue for a player. You know, for him, it's not happening. They are not looking to unload him. There are players that are looking. They, there definitely are players Tottenham is looking to unload. He is not one of them. And speaking of Clint Dempsey, unfortunately, we won't, we won't be able to see him, Ivis, as he and Tottenham take on Josie Outdoor and Sunderland in the two 2000- thousand. 2013 Barclays Asia Cup. It's unfortunate it's not on TV. Yeah, it's pretty crazy that some uh, local carrier, uh, some soccer channel uh, in the U.S. wouldn't have picked that up because, I mean, let's face it, Clint Dempsey in Tottenham against Josie Atador in Sunderland, uh, even though it's just a, a, a friendly in, in Asia, it's still, you know, just a, the first chance to see Josie Atador in his Sunderland uniform. Uh, you know, unfortunately for, unfortunately for you, uh, U.S. National League fans, Looks like you're gonna have to, uh, you know, go to the illegal stream route. Now we don't yeah, recommend we don't, we don't support we don't that. Con- we don't condone that, yeah. and we and and we all know that you know U.S. fans don't really use illegal streams. But you know, just so you know, that's uh, that game is being played. Apparently, uh, it'll be on on midnight after the the Gold Cup semis. Uh, so it's uh, going into Thursday midnight Eastern time. So uh, you know, if you happen to be around or. You know, if you know how to work your way around the internet, you can probably see the game. Or if you're a night out like Ivis, you'll be watching that. I, I, I will. I will. Well, you know what? We'll probably be recording episode 56. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, as that game is going on, actually. Staying in England, uh, Cliff Dempsey's teammate, Tim Howard. There was a lot of speculation earlier this year when uh, Everton added a new goalkeeper. But Tim Howard uh, went out publicly and said that he welcomes the competition. And personally, Ivis, I, I think this is good for him. Well, yeah. I mean, without a doubt. I mean, he hasn't had a true strong number two uh, in a long time that I can even remember. Uh, so, you know, I think I know some people were pretty nervous when when uh, Joel Robles signed with, with Wigan 
but you know, you, you can understand why why you might want to have good good cover because look, it, it's it's fair to say that you know look, Tim Harris thirty four years old, right? Mm-hmm. He can, you know, as you get older, you're gonna have you're gonna be susceptible to injuries. Goalkeepers can get injured. He got injured this last spring. You also have the fact of international duty. He's he's gonna play in qualifying games. He's gonna get called up in in, in potentially in August for the August friendly. And if you know, certain if things go bad in September in qualifying, he could be playing qualifiers in October. So you can understand, you know, if you're Roberto Martinez, Roberto Martinez, as they say in England, you can understand why he'd want to have some cover. And he obviously has a relationship with Joel Robles. He he had him at Wigan. He knows the quality that he brings. He's a younger goalkeeper, so it's an investment for the future. So you can totally understand that. And I I just feel like it always happens with American players. No matter how good an American player is, as soon as a team is getting some players that that play the, the, that same position, it's the automatic, it's like an instant fear. It's a fear instinct that kicks in like, oh no, he's going to lose his job. And it happens to everybody. It happened to, Clint, it happened to Clint Dempsey last year when Tottenham brought in Louis Holpe. It happened to Michael Bradley. It's like, you know, Michael Bradley sits a game. It's like, oh, my Lord, he's never going to play again. And it's just like, listen, settle down, folks. Let these, you know, this is Europeans. That's what the high-level European soccer is about. You have other good players on your team. You have other good players at your positions. This is normal. This is natural in Europe, especially, you know, in the bigger leagues. When you talk about a team like Everton, they're a top half of the table team. They're a team with, you know, apparently with Champions League aspirations. So, hey, they can go get, they can afford uh, a high-level backup, a high-level number two, a high-level goalkeeper who can challenge Tim Howard. And that's what, you know, obviously that's what they want. And it, and it can only help them, you know. If it lights a fire under Tim Howard, then then so be it. You know, he he's good. He is good enough to to deal with that. And and I don't think he's gonna he's not gonna shrink away from from a challenge. If anything, he's he's gonna embrace it. So I I wouldn't go worrying about it. Just yet, if I'm a U.S. fan. Well, good news on the injury front for the U.S. men's national team. It looks like Hercules Gomez may be out two to three weeks. Also, Fabian Johnson did a little bit of light training after he sustained that ankle injury a few weeks ago against Frankfurt. So, uh, you know, two guys, Ivis, who are key contributors to the starting 11. It's good to see them returning back to uh, full fitness. Well, I mean, Hercules Gomez is still not out of the water yet. Um, you know, they're saying two to three weeks now, but when it comes to knees, knees uh, you know, you never know how, how the timetable is. As far as Fabian Johnson, it, it was it was known pretty early on after that injury that it wasn't going to be all that serious and that he should, knock on wood, barring any setbacks or any new injuries, should be around come September for those key World Cup qualifiers. As far as Gomez, though, I still think, you know, let's just say if it is best-case scenario two to three weeks, uh, then we're talking mid-August, and, and hopefully you get him a few weeks of playing time before September rolls around. Um, but you know he has to know the clock is ticking, uh, and and there's so there's growing competition for playing time in the U.S. attack, and, and he know, he has to know that he can't afford to be on the sidelines for too long. Well, Ivis, the biggest news that dominated Tuesday afternoon and, and Tuesday night was that of the special on HBO, The Real Sports with Brian Gumble, where they talked about Chivas USA and kind of went into a little bit more of the you know more general is you know are they a racist club for certain things that they've done you know we've heard certain things over the past few months things have come out but this special really went into more detail when they interviewed uh former academy players former academy coaches uh players as well too 
lots of information to take from this. For people who didn't watch it, what did they miss? Well, you know, it, it definitely painted a pretty bad picture of uh, of Chivas USA and the way they approached things uh, in their first months under uh, the ownership, the full ownership of Jorge Vergara, who who uh, bought out or bought the full rights to the team last fall. Um, the the special really focused on the lawsuit that has been filed uh, by a pair of former Chivas USA Academy coaches and actually former MLS players. Dan Kalishman and Teddy Kronopoulos, uh, you know, two players who are two coaches who were fired and have filed a lawsuit claiming that they were fired, uh, you know, because they weren't Mexican, weren't Mexican American. And, you know, the, the HBO special, the, the real sports special, uh, interviewed them and, and got their side of things and, and also, you know, talked to one of the parents of one of the uh, non Mexican players who, who left the club or who left the youth academy set up because of, you know, what they felt was, you know, discriminatory practices. And then they also talked to, to, you know, James Riley, who went on camera and went on record as saying that he felt he was traded because he wasn't Mexican or Mexican American. Uh, and it was all a pretty damning picture that they painted. And, uh, and I think that to top it all off, you know, the Chivas USA had Paco Palencia, their former player, the Mexican legend, uh, who now works with Chivas USA. They had him, uh, do an interview with uh, Soledad O'Brien, who who put the piece together, and it just was not a good look for him uh, because it just it seemed like a he didn't know what he was talking about, or b he was lying. It just didn't seem like a genuine response from him to some of the questions by O'Brien, and uh, you know it, it's it just painted a really ugly picture of of how things were going down with Chivas USA uh, earlier this year. I think one of the most surprising things in it was the questionnaire that they gave out to the players and, the, and, and to the academy players, asking them uh, their uh, father's and mother's origin of, of where they were from. Yeah, that, I think that one was a little uh, definitely off-putting and not something that you know anyone's used to seeing uh, in when you talk about employment in America. You know, you really don't have people asking you. Well, I mean, obviously, there's, there's, you know, sometimes it'll ask you what your ethnicity is, but you know, for 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 them to have kids, you know, 10-year-old, 11-year-old kids uh, having to, you know, provide information on the back, the ethnic backgrounds or the backgrounds of their parents was a little, you know, it was a little strange, right? It was a little, uh, it, it didn't paint a, a great picture of how, of, of how things were going down uh, with Chivas USA. Uh, I mean, what I will, one thing I will say is, look, obviously, you know, Real Sports did focus uh, specifically on a lot of the negative things that, you know, we just listed. Uh, and, and, you know, they left out a few facts, a few things in the host report, such as the fact that, you know, that the two white coaches who were fired and who have filed this lawsuit were ultimately replaced by non-Mexican, uh, coaches by, they were, they were replaced by, uh, from what I understand, white coaches. And, uh, so, so that kind of, you know, that doesn't really, tie into to the whole idea that it's still this racist setup or, or, or this really discriminatory setup. And, and you have to wonder, right, what happened? Because something something happened there. Something happened with Chivas USA because they, at one point they, it was a real strong push uh, both on the field and, and in, the, in the front office uh, uh, to want to really make it a, a Mexican slash Mexican-American uh, uh, organization, club, and uh, and then something changed, you know, something uh, however many months ago, maybe it was MLS stepping in and saying, listen, you cannot be this blatant 
in your attempts to, to mold Chivas USA into this completely Mexican brand. Um, but you know what? In the time since then, obviously, you know, they've made Dan Kennedy the captain. They've, uh, you know, signed a homegrown player, uh, Caleb Calvert, who is white. He's and he they they signed him as a as a young home as a you know academy homegrown player at the age of sixteen at the beginning of this month of, of July. So you know they've taken these steps. They've hired non Mexican slash Mexican American youth coaches. So you know that you see these steps that they've taken now, and you say, okay, maybe they're going in a maybe the message has been set that they can't just be so outright uh, discriminatory and had and be a hundred percent Mexican not in America. You can't do that. You have to offer equal opportunity. Uh, so, you know, clearly something changed there. But now it seems like the, the 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 chickens have come home to roost on the early behavior. And that's where maybe they're going to pay the price now when you talk about lawsuits and legal action taken against the, the club based on uh, missteps early on and, slo- and, and a sloppy, uh, you know, overtaking of, the, of this whole plan. And and I I mean I've heard this stuff for months right I, and and you don't you don't know what's room you don't know what's legit what's not legit but you, you know you hear this stuff about you know these kind of just outrageous statements where you know Jorge Vergara apparently you know uh, went in front of a, a, a room full of Chivas USA employees and told them you know if you don't speak Spanish go work for the Galaxy you you know pretty much laying it down that these everyone there better learn Spanish. So that you know that kind of stuff, you, you cringe and you say, "Man, that that is not a good look." But at the same time, you can see you can see the club now trying to take steps, uh, maybe to to distance themselves from that. And and one thing I saw on Twitter tonight was, you know, people saying, "Oh, well, that's fake. That's just them trying to cover their butts." You know, they know they're in trouble, so now they're going to do this and this and that. So and you know what? That's fair. That's a fair kind of you know that's a fair argument. But at the same time. I mean, they're taking steps to make changes, and that's what you want to see because as much as people want them to sell and think that, you know what, they're going to move this team, I don't know if they're going to move this team. I mean, they've made some pretty big moves here lately. You know, we talk about Carlos Bocanegra, uh, Kubo Torres, the forward they brought in. It seems like they're going to be in for the long haul, but I tell you what, things look like they just might get ugly when you talk about these lawsuits. Well, going forward, I mean, what do you think can happen here? I mean, will MLS have to step in and, and, and fix this situation, or can they do anything? Or or is it we're just going to see another year of what's kind of going on? Well, you know, I, 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 the sense I get is that they did step in, that they did go to Chivasu and say, look, you can't you just have these outright discrim- discriminatory practices. You can't. You can't, you know, get gut your team of all non-Mexicans. Uh, or, you know, just wholesale fire non-Mexicans and Mexican-Americans in your, in your organization, in your front office. You can't do that because that is just so clearly and blatantly, uh, discriminatory that in America, that's just not allowed. You can't do it. And that's something that people were asking me on Twitter on Tuesday night, you know, as this all was breaking and popping off, people were like, well, this happens in Spain, Athletic Bilbao. This happens in Mexico with Chivas Guadalajara. Why, like, is it really illegal? And it's like, yes, you know what? It is illegal. In America, it's an illegal. Yeah. It's illegal. You can't discriminate on the basis of race. You can't. It says, uh, that you know, in every, it says that in every job application everyone fills out. Right. So that's the thing. I mean, at the end of the day, here's the thing, right? The question is, 
Were they did they do this maliciously? Did they set out like just to blatantly break laws that they knew existed, or was it just a case of them being clumsy and sloppy and unaware of American law? And 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 that's the question: you, how you want to approach it? Do you want to assume the worst and think they blatantly broke the law on purpose, or do you want to just kind of look at the more practical side and say, you know what? Maybe they just didn't know. Maybe they just figured, you know, they just said, you know, this is how we do it in Mexico. So why keep, this is how we're going to do it in, in America. We're going to have these questionnaires. We're going to go with completely pro-Mexican, you know, completely Mexican team, Mexican front office. You know, why can't it work? And at some point, someone finally got to them and said, no, you can't be that way. You can't do it that way. Because, I mean, hey, I'll be the first to say, I remember... Back when I start, when we started getting this whole sense of this, that this was going on, I, I, I said on this show, I said, you know what? I get why they're doing it. And I, and I, I see the logic behind it. And I, I personally didn't have, like, I personally didn't see the problem with it. But the, you know, when you, when you look at, at, at the way they handled it was where it really is messy. You can't go to these coaches and say, you're out of here yeah. because you're not Mexican. That is just ridiculous. That, see, for me, that is, that's just the height of stupidity. That's just people just not having any grasp of, uh, you know, of just American law. And, and the same goes with, with the handling of the youth academy mm-hmm. based on what the report showed, the, the HBO Real Sports report showed, which is that all of a sudden you had youth coaches and, you, and youth teams being run completely in Spanish uh, and completely alienating the non-Spanish speaking players and parents. You know, that's the, like that's just you're asking for trouble. If you're a team, if you're a business in this country, if you're going to be that blatant about discrimination. So, you know what? It's, it, it's a mess. It's pretty messy. Uh, having, and, and you know what? They're going to pay the price. I, I feel like they're going to, you know, there's going to, this might not be the only loss that we see, you know? And so I think it's a real mess, but at the same time, does it mean it's the end of the world for Chivas USA? They're going to cease to exist. They're going to sell the team, move the team to Orlando. Or any uh, of these uh, several other team uh, cities that want an MLS team? I don't know about that. I don't. I don't know if that's necessarily what we're going to see. But uh, it's it's definitely not a good look, and it's pretty. It, it is a pretty sad day uh, for MLS. Well, it's uh, exciting times right now for the Chicago Fire. I mean, obviously with the acquisition of Mike McGee a few weeks ago, their recent form over the last couple of weeks, they've really put themselves into the the playoff picture in the East, and they went out uh, on Tuesday and they announced that they signed Juan. Luis Anangono, uh, a Ford, Ecuadorian Ford to their club. And, uh, I mean, there's a lot of talk about how he's an up-and-coming player and Chicago Fire adding him and most likely getting rid of uh, Sergio McDonald. Well, it's, uh, you know, if you're a Fire fan, you have to feel good about seeing your team, you know, go out of their way to try to, to strengthen the, the squad, you know, especially after, the, you know, they've just, you know, this year and in in this season, uh, late in the season, they go out of Mike McGee and Bakari Samari, uh, to bolster their squad, and, and and they they keep on looking to improve. And look, Sergio McDonald just didn't get it done this year. He just, you know, he hasn't looked anywhere as good as he looked last year. Uh, and it, you know, it's no secret that they've been looking to move him, and they're still looking to move him. It looks like they're going to try to loan him out somewhere. Uh, but you know, he it just just looking at the track record. You know, is this guy can't miss? Is is Anangonoa can't miss? I don't know. I don't know if you could say that, but just. You know, he, he had success in Ecuador. He's a young forward. He's a big physical forward. And that, and you kind of, when you look at the pieces that the, the fire have, they need a big forward. They need someone that they're, they're, they're speedsters can run off of, that Mike McGee can run off of, that Rolf, not that McGee's a speedster, but you know, he's their goal, their goal scoring assassin. 
you know, you have him able to run off of him. You have Chris Rolfe and Patrick Nyarko off the wings. You need that big target guy. And, uh, you know, they, they clearly they feel like Anangono is that guy. Uh, over in Canada, Kenny Miller has been called up to the Scotland national team for a game against England. However, he's missing two games for the Vancouver Whitecaps. Do you think this is going to be good or bad for them? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, the sense I get – here's the deal, right? Kenny Miller's been playing really well since coming back from his injury. He's been one of the keys. I mean, obviously, Camillo's been their leading goal scorer, but Kenny Miller has been very important in this uh, you know, streak of victories and results that they've gotten. Uh, you know, obviously they lost to LA last week, but he's been a key to that. And having said that, you know, the sense I get is, you know, I mentioned earlier in the year that the Whitecaps were looking to move Kenny Miller. And I wouldn't write off the possibility that he could still move. Uh, and I know that might come as a little surprise to some people, but, you know, I don't know if it's that he wants to move or if they want to move him. But the sense I get just from what I'm hearing is that we could still see Kenny Miller make a move this summer. And if that happens, I mean, I think we, you know, we shouldn't rule out the possibility of a little deja vu and have, and see the white caps have another second half tumble where, you know, they tinker with the team in mid season, even though things are going really well and then they fall apart. So, uh, you know, what? that's going to be something to keep an eye on. You know, they have Camilla playing excellently. They have, uh, you know, Darren Maddox, someone who clearly is their future and then they have these other these rookie forwards in Eric Hurtado and, and Kakuta Mane. So they, they've got some forwards, right? But I tell you what, Kenny Miller's been a real key for them. So if he makes the move, I don't know if he's going to be that easy to replace. Uh, over in Kansas City, sporting Kansas City fans had reason to rejoice as Peter Vermees signed a contract extension uh, with the club. He's going to be there till 2017, obviously without question his success over the past two seasons, taking him to back-to-back Eastern Conference titles and winning the U.S. Open Cup. I mean, obviously sporting Kansas City fans are going to be more than enthusiastic and delighted by the, sign- by the extension of his contract. Oh, I mean, it's it had to happen, right? I mean, they... They've already signed so many key players to extension. So of course you got to keep the guy who's helped put this team together. And, and, you know, it's definitely a positive sign. Um, and usually you're just curious to see what, what's next for them. You know, can they, can they take that next step and win a title? Um, and win an MLS cup or, you know, actually get to MLS cup. That's going to, you know, for this particular team. You know they they've gotten knocked off by the the Houston Dynamo the last few the last couple of years, but I tell you this team looks pretty good. And and right now you you know you, when you talk about you know power rankings and where teams stand, you know Sporty KC's right they're number one. You, you know they they just beat Real Salt Lake, and for all you know aside all the controversy aside about stoppage time and whether or not the goal should happen or not, you know what Kansas City's on a roll right now, and they've been doing it without you know this this summer. You know, they didn't have Zussi and Beastler, uh, in June. And, and now they don't have Beastler again. You know, he's, he's back to the national team. So, uh, hats off to, to Peter Vermees for the team they've put together, the depth that they're showing. And, you know, they're looking like, they're looking, they're a serious title contender. And, and, you know, a lot of that credit is, uh, goes to Peter Vermees. I've just reached the end of the show. As always, that means it's the SBI Q&A. People also listen for the – well, no, I mean, everyone listens to the show, so thank you guys. But people listen, and they knew that we were going to record before the game. So we got some questions before we actually did the show. So everyone, thank you for sending questions in. Um, but as always, Ivis and I do the show throughout the week at night, so pay attention to when Ivis sends the tweet out to get your questions in. First question comes from Chris Romeo. Should the MLS ditch the salary cap soon? If not, do you ever – do you ever think the MLS will not have a salary cap? 
Well, the first thing I would say is that you should ditch the word the before MLS. Just say, should MLS ditch the salary cap? If not, do you ever think this MLS is, This is directed at Chris, not me. This FYI, is at Chris. FYI, all this of our other a, It's just a little thing. You know, it's just... It, it, that it's kind of a giveaway that a person's not really a hardcore MLS follower if they put the in front of it. And you know what? It, it's funny because even even players, even some players do it. But you know, it's just a thing. It's just a little pet peeve. I know a lot of people have. What's wrong with it? It's I, like saying like it's the, the Ohio State University. It's the right. Major League Soccer. But it's it's the name of the league is Major League Soccer. So you can't say the Major League Soccer. You know what I'm saying? Like it doesn't work. If it's a, if it's all right, national, all, all right, national, all right, not, all know, right, just get, get back just to the work. question. Get back to MLB the question. MLB is MLB. It's not the MLB, right? So there you go. All right, but get, anyway, get back to the question. I, I digress. Yes. Uh, should the MLS dish salary cap? No. And you know what? Look, here's the thing, right? It's way too easy for us who don't pay the bills to mm. say, "Yay, spend more money, spend an unlimited." You know what? Just, just give us your wallet. We'll, we'll just go get who we want. You have to think about where the money comes from, right? And in a league where TV revenue still isn't what it needs to be to really spend serious money, it's just not going to happen. You, 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 you're not going to get rid of the salary cap. The league is, has grown slowly and steadily. Uh, do they need to increase it? Yes. Should they increase it? Yes, they should. They should maybe consider a few more designated player slots. But it's, you're not just going to completely take the reins off. It's not going to happen. Uh, do I ever see MLS not having a salary cap? I, you know what? I think maybe at a certain point a down the time. road, you could see it be a lot more than it is. But I feel like it, I feel like there's always going to be a salary cap, well, at, I, at least for another, I don't know, 10 plus years. Well, I don't think most people realize that. I mean, unless you own an NFL franchise or like one of the top teams in like uh, the NBA or or Major League Baseball or NHL. I mean, you really don't make that much money owning make that much money owning a sports team. It's not like someone buys a team. And it's like, oh, I'm going to make ten million this year. Like most teams are lucky to break even if you're an owner with with kind of a, a lower division team with the amount of money that you have to spend. Well, you have these other le- listen. You have these other leagues. They have TV contracts that bring in big money, and there's revenue sharing. And, and, and when you pull good, when you pull ratings. You can you can charge more for these TV contracts. Right now, MLS is in that isn't in that position. The league is developing a, a, a deeper pool of, of owners and a and a stronger pool of owners with some more money, but that still isn't. It's still not a case where, you know, you're just gonna completely uh, let loose and, and let people spend as much as they want. Uh, the, the, I mean, it, it's easy to forget how far the league has come just in the last few years when you talk about three designated player slots uh, where it was only one just a few years ago. So, you know, it, it's steadily growing. It, it, yes, they could, they can stand to spend more, but I just think it's unrealistic given the revenue the league brings in to say, okay, it's time to just completely, uh, you know, cut loose the purse strings. Well, people are going to kill me for mentioning this, but I mean, even a team like Real Salt Lake, I mean, they were not that old, Ivis, and not that long ago that they were only what, I think 7 million to buy into the league. I mean, that was not that long ago. What is that? Eight years ago? Yeah. I don't know if they're. I don't think their franchise fee was seven million, but it was a lot less than the hundred million that we just saw New York City FC pay. Uh, this next question comes from Imagine Turbo Friend. Who are the less obvious Yanks abroad you expect to have a big impact overseas this season? Well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say Eric Lehigh with his trend, with his move. 
uh, down to the first division. I think he's going to do well there. I think Jeff Cameron uh, in a, in his second season in Stoke City. I mean, I I guess that's kind of an obvious one. Um, but just as far as just completely out of the blue guys, I mean, I know Connor O'Brien has a following. There's some people who love him, and and you know, I think he's pretty good. He's at North Island. Uh, he could do some. He could make some make some things happen. But you know, beyond that, it's the usual suspects. You know, I think Josie Atador is going to do well in his first season at Sunderland. I think Michael Bradley in year two at Roma. I think he'll do well. And uh, let's see who I, th- I tell you what. And I mean, this isn't a surprise, but I think Clint Dempsey in year two with a full preseason under his belt and with a second season under a manager for like what seems like the first time in his life, or at least since he left MLS. I think I think Clint Dempsey does well. I think he has a good season with. with I think he has a better season with Tottenham this year. Um, real quick, I got, I got to bring this up. It's old news. Uh, Real Salt Lake paid ten million dollars in two thousand four. It was ten million dollars in two thousand four. Uh, next question comes from Kevin Wieselo. Uh, does Jurgen get much credit for subs they should have been starting in the lineup to begin with? Does he get too much credit for subs? I, see, here's the thing, man. Pete, and, and I, I feel like we talk about this a lot. Yeah, we do. You can't. Yeah, we talk about everything a lot. We have, yeah, we're doing we're doing a daily show at this point. Um, you can't just look at a sub and see the guy come in and do well and say, "Man, if he had been in earlier, he would have done exactly the same, only longer." You can't always just look at it that way because there's so other there's other factors at play, like the opponent, like how the opponent's playing, if the opponent's tiring, if the opponent is trailing and pushing for an equalizer. These things are you have to factor in. So you you know, but when you say, "Oh, Eddie Johnson should have started because look what he did coming off the bench," you know what? I I agree he impressed, but at the same time, you can also argue that look, bringing Eddie Johnson in with his speed in the second half when El Salvador would be tired and pushing for an equalizer was the perfect time to bring in a fresh Eddie Johnson. You can argue, you can absolutely make the point. So I, I would say no. I don't think I don't think Klinsman uh, gets too much credit. I think if anything, he's done a really good job of of bringing guys in at points in matches where they can make an impact and where and where they can really do the most damage. With someone like Mix Discarude, who when you bring him in in the second half of a game where the opponents aren't pressing as much as they were in the first half, and he can have the time and space to pass it, uh, put passes on a dime. I mean, there's a plan there. There's a, there, you know, I think we've gotten to the point now when you're talking about results, when you're talking about the U.S. Uh, winning nine matches in a row. At a certain point, you got to start giving Jurgen some credit, Jurgen Klinsmann some credit for what he's doing, and you have to start, uh, I guess, maybe accepting the idea that he has a plan, that there's a method to the madness, and that it's just not blind luck that has the U.S. on a nine-match winning streak. Our next question comes from Jonathan Del Cid. From one to ten, how bad is the Chivas USA scandal on the league? Okay, how bad does it look? You know what? It looks pretty bad, man. It looked that show. It well, was a he's asking. Show. A, he's asking a one through ten. What is it? Well, no. See, what was the question again? On a scale of one to ten, um, how bad is the Chivas USA scandal on the league? How bad is on- it? I would. I would say it's. You know what? I would give it a seven. I'd give it a seven. It looks like a nine. Realistically, though, <laughs> it's probably closer to six or seven because when it boils down to it, they made look clearly they made some mistakes. It looks like they, you know, they they were pretty sloppy early on, and they're going to pay the price for that. They're going to have to settle some lawsuits. They're going to have they're going to get you know they're going to feel the bite 
of the American legal system. But at the end of the day, they're going to get through that. They're going to make, they're going to pay the fines. They're going to pay the lawsuit settlements and they're going to move along. They're going to move on with their business. But, you know, I think anyone who thinks, uh, the league is going to force Regatta out. I mean, I, I used to think that that would be the case, but, you know, I've come around on it just because I, I mean, you see signs now that they're actually trying to do something here with a team. They're trying to build a winner. You know, when you talk about signing homegrown player, uh, making a uh, pick, signing Carlos Bocanegra. Uh, I mean, that wasn't, you know, he's not here playing for peanuts. Uh, bringing in a Mexican forward like Eric Cubo Torres, who's, who's a well-respected young forward. At least there's signs of progress. So from that st- standpoint, you know, a month ago, or let's say, let's say two months ago, when it seemed like they were scrapping the entire team for parts, they had a, it seemed like they had a yard sale for their roster, right? At that point, it was like, what in the heck are these guys doing? At least from a building the team and making the team stronger standpoint, I'd say the past few weeks have been, have been really good for them. They're actually starting to get some results now. They beat Toronto. They've gotten a, a string of ties under their new head coach. So you have to look at that and say, you know what? There is some progress now. They are maybe starting to figure some things out. Having said all that, there is this, there's still this mess and there's still all this sloppy crap that they pulled, you know, a few months ago and they're going to pay the price for that. Uh, next question comes from Carlos Quintanilla. If we tap the brakes on Wando because of who we played, shouldn't we tap the brakes on Donovan? Then he ends it with a tap. Yeah, I don't really get that question at all. I mean, look, Chris Wondolowski had a big had big games against Guatemalan friendly and Belize, Belize, Belize in the opening match. Landon Donovan <laughs> has been outstanding in every single match, whether it, and he's dominated it's Coast, too. Yeah, or Costa, even Costa Rica with their stingy defense. Uh, El Salvador, he absolutely died. He just destroyed El Salvador. Uh, so he's been doing it throughout the whole tournament. Is is it you know? Are these teams Brazil and Spain? No, no one's saying that. But, you know, Donovan has done it before. And what we're seeing him do now, you know, you know, it's it's not just a case of, oh, the opponent and, you know, whatever. Wondolowski had did, had himself an amazing two games, but it was against weak competition. And he's had his opportunity since then to find the net, and he hasn't. So you can't really compare the two. I mean, Landon Donovan's probably been the best player in the entire tournament, of the entire Gold Cup. He he does you know he deserves folks to just to sing his praises and to put him back on the full first team and want him back in the qual- in World Cup qualifying. Chris Wondolowski, the Drew's still out, but he still has one and at least you know maybe two games more to show that he could do it against top competition. I'm not sure, but I think Donovan has what four or five assists in this. And like you said, even though they're not playing top top competition, the fact that he's dominating in every single game versus Wondolowski, who's had a couple of good games. That goes to show how important it is just to overall play much better. Next question comes from Monaco Murphy. Follow up. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't know why he said he asked the same question twice. But is it dumb to wear a player's club jersey to a U.S. men's national team game? And look at here, Ivis. He gave you a hashtag King Ivis. <laughs> well, all right. Uh, this is kind of tied into my whole rant a few episodes back, where you know I pretty much said that people who wear club jerseys That's stupid. So now, and that's stupid, but it's just I wish people wouldn't do it. Um, well, it's like wearing like a Barcelona jersey to like a LA Galaxy versus Sounders game. What's no, the, what's that's the point? not that's not quite the same thing. It's not quite the same. Well, that was the argument we had a few weeks ago. No, no, the, my my thing was about uh, I think, and it, it was tied into 
you know, na- when the national team plays at an MLS venue, that though oh, that yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah. that town's fans to not show up in their team gear, that to, in their club team's gear, but to show up in national team gear in attire. That that was my point then. That's right. Uh, right. So it, tying into that, you know what? Listen, if you only have one jersey, if your only jersey is a Landon Donovan Galaxy jersey or a you know Eddie Johnson Seattle Sounders jersey, then sure, wear it. You know what? At least you know you wear what you have, you're, and in your own indirect way, you're still supporting that player. But you know what? For me, wear the national team stuff. It's a U.S. game. Uh, you know, if you're going, let's put it this way, right? You're going to Dallas. You're going to that Dallas Cowboys stadium that's going to be 90% Mexican fans. We want to wear your U.S. stuff, right? I mean, you want to represent. Uh, and, you know, if you're even if you're and look, if you're an FC Dallas fan, maybe you can get away with it because it's red. Uh, so it's either way, it's red stripes, right? You go wear your FC Dallas jersey and it kind of from afar looks like U.S. stripe jersey. But I don't know. I just think for that day, can you just wear a U.S. jersey? Can you, like, please, can you just just do it? I mean, if you have them. If you, know, if you don't have it, then, hey, you, 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 there's nothing else you can do. But if you have both, wear the U.S. jersey. Because, I don't know, I just think it's just, I don't know. I I just feel like, I, I don't you know what it is. It's irrational. I, I know people agree with me, but I just think that's how it should be. Would you be okay with, like, a Josie Atador whole city jersey? Oh, God. <laughs> Uh no, I think a Sunderland jersey, yes, because it would tie in. It would be red at least. Just wear, you know what? <laughs> I, here you go. It, it, the the one the one case where you can wear a club jersey is if it's the if it's at least if it's red, because at least you know red is kind of is not Mexican green, right? It's the opposite. So there you go. This is why I'm so afraid to buy like a, a jersey with a player's name on the back, because if like they move on or, or or they tarnish, like you really can't wear that anymore, right? Yeah, that's yeah. You know, that's the thing. It's pe- people. Uh, you know, players come and go, and it's always about the jersey. So, yeah. you know, just put your own name on it. You can put your last name on it. Don't put the first name on it. You know, unless you're Brazilian. But uh, yeah, I mean, when it came to you know the the specialized jerseys that my kids have, um, you know, I I started out to put the first names on, but I've quickly learned to put the last names on. I could just buy a Tom Cleverly jersey and get away with that. Um, next question comes from Nihal. Oh, I'm sorry. You just yeah, then you just scratch out the other e. Yeah, details, man. No one really knows. Uh, the next question comes from Nihal. Discord or Holden against Honduras? Uh man. Well, if the grass were perfect, I'd go without a doubt. I'd go Holden. Uh, given the, the 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 ugly situation, as far as the field goes, I I have to really seriously consider Discord. Uh, he's done all right, but you know what? No, I'm just gonna go Stuart Holden. He's in Texas. He's the Texas boy, raised in Texas, not born there, born in Scotland. But he is a tech. He considers himself a Texas boy. He is a Texas boy. You got to start him in Texas. I think you have to start him. You got to start Omar Gonzalez because they're they're in Texas. You got to you got to you know you got to give him the hometown nod. Well, Ivis, that wraps up the show today. Um, I, I know you and I are going to do uh, we're going to do a show after tomorrow's game. So everyone. Uh... Thank you, as always, for listening to this show, and uh, be excited because I will do another show. It'll be a U.S. Men's National Team special after uh, after tomorrow's game. That's right. And uh, one also, another milestone to, to point out, uh, recently we the SBI show surpassed 100,000 plays on SoundCloud, which, uh, you know, we're pretty proud of. It's a, it's, a, it's kind of a, a milestone moment for us and just shows the kind of growth of the show. And, you know, when we think back to when we started the show, we 
we kind of had our milestones and our kind of benchmarks that we were hoping to hit and we've surpassed them all. Uh, and we just definitely want to thank all of you guys for listening. And if you're, and if you're still listening right now to at this point in the show, uh, you, you definitely are a diehard fan. So, so uh, we, we appreciate that. We're going to try to keep it going and, 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 you know, don't be afraid to drop us a line in, in the comment section on the site or, and let us know, you know, what you'd like to see on the site. You know, I mean, on the show, what, what you, you like, what you don't like. Uh, and definitely iTunes reviews. Uh, you know, we, we, we need some more reviews. We've gotten a few rough ones lately, so it's actually lowered our score. We actually no longer have the perfect five star score. Um, so we're gonna, we're gonna try to, you know, we're trying to step it up so we can, uh, we can raise that grade. Uh, so let us know, let us know, you know, what we need to work on and, uh, you know, don't be afraid to put a review on there. Yeah, all our sponsors might drop us if we don't get that five star rating back up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All zero of them. <laughs> Uh, well, as always, everyone, like I said, and like Ivis said, thank you for listening to the show. Uh, recap for the predictions. Ivis, you said two to zero. I said one to zero. We'll see who's right after tomorrow, after today's, after Wednesday's game. No, there will be no lucky Belize six one scoreline like that like last time. <laughs> nah, actually, one zero is it could absolutely be one zero. Yeah, but I think it'll be two zero. I think this U.S. attack. I think they'll get a goal in the first half. I think Honduras will push in the second, and then on the counter. Late in the match, Landon Donovan, the insurance goal, and they're off to Chicago. And I will be at the Windy City where we, I think we'll see USA Panama, but I know everyone's going to be hoping for USA Mexico because I think most American, I think most US fans are feeling pretty good right now about the US team's chances of beating Mexico if those teams meet in the final. Does Chicago fall into your top five cities to uh, have a good time in? Well, you know what's funny? I haven't actually been in Chicago proper. Uh, in a while, in the, actually several years. And, and when I say Chicago proper, I've been in O'Hare Airport several times. That doesn't I've count. spent several hours in Chicago. Like combined, I've probably spent maybe two days in Chicago, but, you know, spread out in connections through O'Hare. Uh, but back when I used to go to Chicago on a regular basis, uh, when I was a, a beat writer for the Metro Stars, I used to go there at least once a year, sometimes two or three times a year, depending on if the national team played there. Uh, you know, I've had, I've had many a great time and it, it actually, when I am going there regularly is in my top five, but since I don't go there anymore, I think it's been replaced by Kansas city, uh, which is another place I will be next week. I'll be there for the all-star game. So, uh, I am looking forward to going to Chicago and, uh, you know, checking out soldier field. I was there in 2007 at the gold cup final when Benny Philhaber scored that uh, unforgettable winner. And uh, I don't know why. I have a feeling we're going to see that matchup again in Chicago. Uh, and we could once again see Landon Donovan and Demarcus Beasley celebrating a Gold Cup victory. And during tomorrow's game against Honduras, uh, go to soccerbyivis.net and uh, join the live commentary throughout the match. Also, like we said, uh, we're going to move the SBI show up a day early. We're going to do it after the game to bring you uh, immediate reaction uh, from Ivis. And as always, my insightful comments on every single U.S. men's national team game. Uh, Ivis, it's late for you. Get some sleep, man. Get rested before this game. Yes, sir. It should be a big one. It's, uh, you know, the U.S. usually gets the job done in the semis. And, uh, you know, as, as much as Honduras will give them a go, I think the U.S. is going to flex their muscle again. And uh, the real question for me is, is it going to be Panama or is it going to be Mexico? You say it's Panama. I say it's Panama, too. So I think it's going to be Panama. Yeah. I think it's going to be Panama. Well, everyone, as always, thank you for listening to the show. Appreciate your comments. Appreciate the reviews. This is the SBI Show.